This is Dai Zenshu EX, the podcast, episode 135 for the week of June 29th, 2008. Welcome to Dai Zenshu EX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Dai Zenshu I don't know what that was. Why don't we have Julian try that one? Dai Zenshu EX. Thank you. We cover anything and... Everything. There you go, jackass. Dragon Ball and hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertainment. We'll save the easy words for Jeff over here. I'm sorry. Jeff, hello. Hi. Hey, what's up? You're just kind of chilling here this evening. It's been a long time since I've been here, Mike. Your girlfriend's what, up in New York going to a show? Yeah, she's seeing mindless self-indulgence right now. So you're just like, hey. Well, actually, I invited you over. Yeah, actually, you were like, hey. And I'm like, I'm editing a video. I need help. And you're like, come over here and record. And I'll be like, yes, something to do nice that's why you're here you're chilling yes very very lonely editing otakon intro videos (laughs) let's talk to julian what's up man oh you know not too much it's a saturday morning here it's almost the end of june yeah it is and i don't really have very specific plans or anything for the next few weeks other than helping out various people that i know with volunteer activities that's kind of boring, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds excruciatingly non-exciting, but that's all right. But it's also exam time for my students, which means I'm mostly hanging out in the teacher's room reading stuff and practicing kanji and all that kind of fun things, and that's not particularly exciting either, so... No, that's productive. Okay, fine. All right, let, let's introduce Mary first, okay, and then fine. we'll come back to what you've been up to, because you're the cool guy in Japan. Mary, okay. hello. Hi. What's up? Oh, uh, not much. Chilling? Um, yeah, chilling. It feels like this day's been really long. Isn't that good? It, it is, but weekend. I am really tired. Well, I spent a lot of day in the sun, petting ten, animals. 10 o'clock for us. But over in Japan, what time is it, Julian? It is 10.55 in the morning. Oh, Jeez. all right. Cool. Now I remember what the time difference is. What have you been up to over there? Well, mostly working. I don't really have anything new to report about stuff. <laughs> That's uh, fine. We have tons of stuff to talk about, so it's not like we're relying yeah. on your stories. Okay. All right. Well, we have a ton of stuff to get to, so I think we should actually just kind of get on into the episode and all the stuff we're going to be doing. Let's talk about... Oh, hi. I'm Mike, Vegito EX. I totally forgot about that part. I should say hello to people. What are we going to do this episode? We already recorded the topic portion of the show. Julian, we had to do it without you because coordinating people and schedules, unfortunately, we can't go with Japan time on that. Mary, you and I, and Jeff was here too. We talked with Scott and Lanny, who are in charge of DBZ Abridged, which is a new series that just started coming out. And you're going to hear all about where that came from, what the whole process behind it is. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, please stay tuned and check that out. So that's what the topic's going to be. Other housekeeping stuff, Mary, you and I were at Anime Next last week. That we were. We got some photos up on your homepage. We do. We got a couple of cosplay pictures. You and I did not get pictures of the toddler cosplaying Goku. However, friends did. And so we're going to put up some pictures of the little cute little guy. You're looking over at the door. Is there a cat sticking their paw out from under yes, the door? scratching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll let the cats out eventually. We'll put up some more pictures of cute little toddler. Jeff, you weren't there. You had a friend's wedding. How was that? That was awesome. Good times. I Hopefully, wanted to be at Anime Next. You'll come to Anime Next next year. <laughs> I definitely will. All right, good. Um, I, I guess that's it for Anime Next stuff. If you wanted to vicariously... You know, live the convention through me. I was trying to Twitter the whole thing, except for Sunday. I didn't really do a whole lot. But uh, awesome seeing everyone again. Uh, ran into a few people. Whole con. I was like, oh man, where's Tanuki Kuribo? Didn't run into him. Um, the whole whole weekend looking out for him because yeah, I know he goes and we like to compare stuff we bought and stuff. So as I'm checking out of the hotel, I look behind me. He's standing right behind me. He was he was a floor below us the entire convention. No way. Yeah. In the same hotel. Yeah, That's in the funny. same hotel. How hilarious is that? And I guess we didn't run into each other in the elevators. No, I don't know. But we'll try to arrange something a a little better next year so we can all hang out. Mary and I tried to keep it on the down low this year. Pretty chill. Ran the contest, did the panel, and wandered around. You know, in my old age, I kind of like it I liked it too. Good times. I think that's uh, it for the housekeeping stuff. You guys have any other little things you want to throw in before we hit the news? No. All right, let's do the news. First thing I want to talk about, hopefully it won't turn into a, a giant mini topic in and of itself, but I know we certainly have some things to talk about. Julian, I sent you over a couple uh, key audio files. I know Mary yep. and Jeff, you were listening to these as well. Mm-hmm. There was a podcast out there called Voice Print with Trevor Duvall. From what I understand, he's an American voice actor. He's done a lot of stuff through Ocean Studios, Viz, that kind of stuff. And every so often he'll do a show. I think it's called Voice Print with Trevor Duvall and guests. So he has other people come on. 
on. In the past, we've talked about this. Brian Drummond has been on. Ian Corlett has been on. Those are good listens. About a month ago, he had Terry Klassen on. And, um, you know, Brian Drummond was the first Vegeta. Ian Corlett was the first Goku. Terry Klassen was the first Kudadin or Krillin in Funimation's English dub of Dragon Ball Z. So, like, all right, it's someone I'm familiar with. And, Mary, you remember him from Ranma even before Yeah, he Dragon played Ball. a big character and whenever I'm in Did friends. he do any writing on Ranma? Uh, he might have. I'll probably have. I mean, his writing style seems like it would fit based on what I remember from oh, yeah. you know, Dragon Ball Z. I'll, I mean, I got the tapes. So I'll have to go we'll look. We'll talk about that. What I'm actually going to play is about a minute to a minute and a half from that voice print podcast where Trevor asked him about this role from Dragon Ball and how, you know, that all worked out and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Escaflone, of course. Dragon Ball Z. Now, this is the one that most people seem to associate you in terms of the anime world with. Yeah. Is Krillin, right? Yeah, it well, see, what? Well, yeah, I did the, when they originally did that, I did Krillin. And then, uh, <laughs> I think we did 26 episodes. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Barry Watson was down at Funimation. He used to come up, and he's a Texan. And he was a <laughs> lot of fun to be around. And then it went back down to, uh, it went it went to, to Fort Worth, back down there. And, uh, yeah, I was, it, it just became a huge, huge series. And So, having never really watched the show, I need to know what Krillin sounded like. Oh, Krillin, jeez. Yeah, that's going, it's going back a few years It's, it's now, just like, it's like Baby Sylvester without the lisp. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, man. Come on, Goku, we got to run for it. And then he would, he would uh, did, oh, I forget his, uh, Kamikaze, Kamikaze, I forget the name of his thing. Anyway, I can't do Krillin. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy, actually, there's a guy, I don't know what his name is, he's been living off of Krillin at the anime fest for, yes, forever. that's, uh, in fact, we have his name here. <laughs> I think it's the only Sunny series. Sunny Straight? Yeah, I think it's the only Strait. series he's ever done, or he's done like three. <laughs> hey, well, you Sunny. hear that, Sunny? I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they mocked me on, uh, on uh, what was it, YouTube, and I was going, oh, man, this guy's got a lot of time. So anyway, Sunny, have fun. <laughs> Uh, lots of responses to this. There's a lot of stuff we need to like clear up and kind of. Oh, mainly because like you're kind of um responsible for what it for is they're talking about at here. the end. Yeah, the whole mocking on YouTube thing. Let's. Uh, there's a lot I want to talk about. Let's explain what Terry's role was in the dub. We already explained he was the first Kududin or Krillin. He was also a very very big writer on the English dub of the series, even into and how. <laughs> even into when Funimation retook the series back down themselves and did stuff in-house, Cherry was retained as a writer and very, very obvious in season three through Garlic, and I can't remember how much further than that he went. So he was a, a big part of that production. You really can't ignore that. We need to talk about how Cherry kind of dismissed Sonny here, and this is going to be really interesting coming from me. I'm not a dub defender in any sense of that phrase. You know how I feel about this. How how do I say anything without being the same type of comment that Terry made, like so dismissive, for lack of a better phrase, being a douchebag? Really. <laughs> he, he just so easily dismisses Sonny as if he's nothing. We were looking at his roles. Crudidin is not the only character he's done. He did Hughes in Full Metal Alchemist. That was a huge series. He does Lupin in Funimation's production of you know those movies and the specials and stuff. He's doing Usopp now in the new Funimation dub of One Piece. He's also done ADR on Lupin and lots of other stuff as well. I mean, Sonny may be comparatively new, but he's not just some no one. No, he's done a lot of stuff, but I'm not saying I defend Terry, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. Seeing as what their position was back in the day when they essentially lost all their jobs on Dragon Ball Z right. and Funimation took it in-house, if I remember correctly, a lot of those voice actors were people who have never voice acted before. Like, someone was a Absolutely. librarian. Like, it wasn't their day job. So. Monica Antonelli. He I remember early emails going back and forth with her. She was a librarian. Right. Um, Sean Schemmel did some kind of theater stuff and he always yeah. loves to talk about stuff. how he played French horn. Wasn't Sonny a comic book artist, or isn't he still a comic book artist? Yeah, in some he did ways? this Elf Quest thing. I mean, he did Elf Quest. Yeah, he did something with. Oh that. my God, well, Joy would it. Joy would freak out if she were here right now. Loves that. You series. can read all about it. We have, and this is another thing I want to get to. Uh, back in the year two thousand, does anyone want to sing? In the song? year two thousand. Uh, thank you. 
<laughs> back on Daizenshu EX, there was a guy named John Allen who worked on the site with me. And back then, Funimation was very, very tight-lipped. There was no word coming out of the company. No, no fan interaction. No fan interaction whatsoever. Very different from the way it is now when uh, they're very publicly going world. out to cons and reaching out to fans right. and have a lot of, you know, interesting stuff going on. So in 2000, uh, you know, they started season three in 99. So about a year later, they kind of started letting some stuff out. And John was able to conduct interviews with Sean Schemmel and Sunny Strait for our site. And we had, you know, full transcriptions up. And John, he did phone interviews. He also recorded those interviews and we had sound samples up as well. Uh, one piece that I think Terry's referring to is, oh, oh, this YouTube mocking, oh, he's got free time on his hands, blah, 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 blah. You can actually read this whole transcript of the entire interview. It's over in our rumor guide because, you know, eight years later, things get taken out of context. Someone took this specific portion of the interview, put it up to footage from Kudadin on the phone and says, all of a sudden, Sunny Strait is is prank calling Terry Klassen, which is not what happens in the interview. You know, John's leading up to, you know, how was it taking over this role from this guy and you know, working with these writing styles? And they're just being very candid and very open and friendly with each other. And, you know, Sonny goes into this. Hey, Terry, this is Krillin. Look, can you lay off the Mondo cool stuff for a while, please? <laughs> I mean, just a bit. I think you're a great writer. I do. I love it. God knows I love the writing. But. The Mondo Cool stuff, it's not Mondo Cool. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I love the Mondo Cool. But some more in. How about Mondo Terrific? Mondo Explicit. Mondo Nuts. I'm going Mondo Nuts! <laughs> Mondo Kamehameha! <laughs> So let's take it back to this whole voice print podcast. Uh, like I said, this was last month, so we're a little late to the game here, but I only just noticed it was up. I almost feel like I, I want to create drama saying, oh, Terry Klassen shit talking Sunny Strait here. Is, is that what's going on? The vibe I got from Terry was just... I just don't think he's well... I, don't want, I wanted to say well-educated, but that sounds wrong out of context. I don't think he's well-informed about Sonny's current happenings. And honestly, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to be. No, he doesn't need to be. Whatsoever. But it would, have been, it would have been nice. It just makes him look like a jackass, you know, talking shit about someone when they're completely, you know, wrong. See, in the fact. thing is, especially in Corlette, I'm listening to him talk, and he's just so calm and friendly and grateful. And it was such a difference listening to Terry talk about this kind of stuff. I just got such a weird vibe off of it. It was very, Anyway, very I think strange. what this really has to do with the whole Dragon Ball thing and mostly Daisenshu EX is the fact that he kind of misunderstood that clip from the interview as being something that he made and put up onto YouTube for the sole sake of making fun of him. And it's almost Which like, don't absolutely give, not It's like true. you're kind of giving yourself too much credit, guy. Like, this wasn't made for the sole purpose of making fun of you. It's from an interview from I, eight I, years ago. That's a perfect summary, Mary. I, I really think that you, you nailed it there. Does anyone else want to jump off of that with any final thoughts on it? Because I think you... you I don't it. think it should be anything more than that because I really don't want to create needless drama. Like, <laughs> oh my God, those Dyson right. GX assholes trying to pit a dub voice actor war. <laughs> I just get the sense that he's kind of... Terry is kind of trying to play himself up as a serious actor or something like that. Yeah, it's like, and oh, yet, I don't remember the name of those attacks. Oh, I think we did like 24 episodes or whatever. Like, But he doesn't need to know that. That was 10 I years know, ago. But I think it kind of goes along with Julian, what Julian was saying about him trying to be like the cool actor, like, it's cool to forget that you did this role. You know, it's cool to, you know, kind of forgot that you were Krillin. Pot kettle, kettle pot. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's my sense. He's in, he's insulting Sunny Strait for doing the same stuff that he used to do. Absolutely. May still be doing. <laughs> Alright, let's move on from that. We have lots of other Dragon Ball news to talk about. This came out last week. Dragon Ball Online has been licensed for China. Woo! <laughs> Hey, that's a huge population. That's an enormous Howl. population. <laughs> this came to us from Marlbridge Consulting. I don't really Aww. know who they are or what they do, but Julian, why don't you read this for me? <clears throat> In an article posted on his blog, Li Yanqing, president of online gaming firm China Game, okay, has claimed that the Chinese online game operator... Operator 9U has signed an agreement with Korean developer CJ Internet to license the mainland China operating rights to Dragon Ball Online. CJ Internet owns the worldwide development and distribution rights to Dragon Ball Online. Lee did not review or re reveal details of the agreement. What the hell are you guys laughing at in the background? <laughs> it's, it's China game. It's like... 
You gotta be kidding me. I'm like, I turn around and Mary and Jeff are just losing it. I'm like, what? Was there something funny? It's just China game. That's funny it's to you. China game. It's like, that's so Chinese. It's like, well, we, we don't put effort into naming it. It's, it's China it's game. to the point. What else I, do you need look, to know? Look, I'm waiting to see the box art of this thing where, like, the company's on the bottom right corner. It just says China game. Like, <laughs> no shit. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> All right, let's move on. This is going to make us laugh as well. The first poster yeah. for the American-made live-action movie has come out. <laughs> this is floating around on all the blog sites, and you know, you've know you seen it by now. Uh, we've got Justin Chatwin up in the front there. We've got James Marsters up in the background with the eyes. Uh, Chow Young Fats there and the other girls whose names I don't remember. Thoughts? Julian, go for it. What? Mary? <laughs> 1980s all the way. Jeff's getting a closer look. I will stall while he gets back to his seat. Jeff, what okay. do you think? I was looking for the eyes. I didn't know you were talking about, but um, damn it. I really wanted to see how ridiculous James Marsters was. I know. God, we I really have, wanted a taste of that. We have no shots of Piccolo from this movie yet other than what we see. Doesn't he just look like Spike so far? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Jeff All is right. a graphic designer. Thoughts? Well, it's simple and the letters are pretty. <laughs> I think they're shit. Well, let's put it this way. Um, considering that it could have been... Uh, let's just put it this way. It looks like a really bad, like, Con Air ripoff, you know? Like, I'm looking at the... The the poster for that movie was like almost the same as this one. I'm just looking at this and thinking, well, we have Lara Croft over in the corner. We have, God forbid, I don't know who that is in the back with the long hair. I think that's supposed to be my. Uh, remember Pilaf's henchman? Ah, uh, yes. Why is she even there? I don't know. And um, I'm very confused. Also, the Dragon Ball looks ridiculously hokey. Yeah, it does. And big. Who's in charge of the CG in this movie? Yeah, who is in charge of the CG in this movie? Probably I am, because it's what I can do right here. Oh, wait. Uh, throw a glow on the Dragon Ball. Oh, that's that anonymous guy who called me up and asked me to do some part of a work for him. Well, that <laughs> explains everything. Oh, let's move on before we just get, uh, I don't know. Even more snarky than we already are. <laughs> Puts us in a good mood, though. Shonen Jump 5th Anniversary Hard cover we got word about this coming out later this year on august 5th for 24.99 as far as we can tell this is just a reissue of the first american shonen jump that came out in 2003 january 2003 hardcover fashion the art is but, slightly different julian what do you got here naruto was not in the first issue of the right. american shonen jump ah and yet he's front and center that my friends is marketing yes it is let's aim it towards the kids let's <laughs> pander to the masses woo should incite insult other fandoms on the podcast absolutely not Oops. don't we, be a douchebag we love all fandoms on this podcast that's right well we actually do yeah, because we do. we've been there we've gone through it we've yes. o- we've overcome we've triumphed we've been at the bottom of the totem pole we were all 12 once we yeah, were all 12 once. exactly let's move on <laughs> we have actual dragon ball news stuff that interests us in more than snarky response fashion sparking meteor and burst limit soundtrack julian tell me some info yeah so it looks like this sparking meteor and burst limit original soundtrack is coming out on august 27th for 3,000 yen that'll run you about 30 dollars uh there's no info yet on the track but it is a Assumed, uh, I guess Mike assumes it to be a single disc. Yeah, for 3,000 yen, I don't really see it being a double disc, anything like that, for the two different games. I don't know, Mary, Jeff, do you have no. thoughts on what they would do? All right, we need to talk about Sparking Meteor and Burst Limit music. There's a kind of convoluted history here. So, the Japanese release of all the Sparking games, I'm kind of reading off the homepage, but I'll read it as if I'm not actually reading words. I'll try to be fun and happy. The Japanese release of all the Sparking games contained music composed by Shunsuke Kikuchi, plus one little Dragon Ball GT background music. It was the Dandan Kokoro Ikaru Teku kind of do-do-do-do-do. They put that in there too. Um, from the actual TV series. It's music from the TV series, and it was arranged by Kenji Yamamoto. So all three Sparking games had music from the TV series. However, the American releases of these games, that was interesting. The first uh, Sparking game over here, Budokai Tenkaichi, had music recycled from the previous Budokai games developed by Dimps. The second game, Budokai Tenkaichi 2, Sparking Neo, it had all new music, and I can't remember off the top of my head if that was American-made music, or like the third game, Budokai Tenkaichi 3, or Sparking Meteor, the American music in that game was actually composed by Kenji Yamamoto, as 
an all-new Japanese score, except we got that music and the Japanese version had, just like the first two games, music from the series. So that was kind of an interesting case there. Now, the American and Japanese releases of Burst Limit seem to have everything exactly the same. Right from the get-go with the Hironobu Kageyama vocal opening theme, everything is the same. So, the question here is, what is going to appear on this soundtrack coming out in Japan in, what, two months or so? Are we going to get any of that Kenji Yamamoto music composed for the American release of the game? Because he actually recorded it. Or is it going to be a combination of arrangements of the TV series music from the Sparking Games plus Burst Limit music? Did anyone follow any of that whatsoever? No. Nope. No. <laughs> that seems like, I'm sorry, Mike, useless knowledge that you know. <laughs> that was so confusing. The, the question is, what the hell is going to be on this CD? I don't know. They don't seem to like to publish track lists. No. Well, we'll wait for track lists, and hopefully by then we'll be able to figure something out. Because pieces of background music from the TV series do have quasi-names to them from the CD collections that have come out over the years. All we know, this is coming out, like you said, Julian, August 27th, 3,000 yen. This is in addition to the theme song CD coming out on July 23rd. That's the Sparking Meteor and Burst Limit vocal opening themes. That's its own separate thing. So if you get these two things combined, you're kind of set to go. All right, we'll move away from music because I've thoroughly confused everyone. Mary, tell me what else is going on. All right, uh, GameTrailers.com put up their review of Burst Limit, and it was actually pretty good. Mike, you felt they were pretty easy on the game, but... I really thought they were. I actually thought they were going to tear the a new one, and I was shocked that they didn't. I didn't think they were going to really tear the new one, but I didn't think they were very hard on the game. At the same time, nothing they said was really wrong. So it's kind of like a personal preference thing going on. And I, okay. It seems like everyone likes the game more than we do. Are we just that jaded? I don't know. <laughs> We've only done, you know, our initial thoughts episode. I haven't had time to play anymore because of the convention and stuff. Hopefully I'll get back to that this week and you know tear through the rest of story mode and stuff. But you can check it out. They have their HD version up for viewing. That's really nice. Throw that up on the TV. You'll uh, enjoy that. Oh, we love the pronunciations. They said Kamehameha correctly and they said Cyan. And the, oh, yeah, but I don't say that when I'm I'm a horrible hypocrite, I guess. No, I, I say sane. Or or sane. Or sane. I go back and forth between my dubby self and my hardcore self. <laughs> I just thought it was cute and I liked it. Uh, we got other stuff, Mary. I'm going to keep it going with you for a little bit. Yeah, okay. Funimation releases. Um, This mystery artwork popped up with no source. So we don't know if it's fake. We don't know if it's legit. But um, the one thing, uh, the one person, I guess it was credited to someone on uh, the anime on DVD forum supposedly has a good reputation. So I guess we can assume it's probably real. Um, Anyway, it's supposed box art for Dragon Ball GT Season 1 digitally remastered box Which we told set. you about way back in December. We've known this is coming for a really long time. And, you know, people have been saying, oh, this guy's pretty reliable. I hate it when people put up info, no source whatsoever. Like, really? You can't say anything about it. thing I noticed right off the bat was the Funimation logo in the bottom right doesn't seem to quite be at the same uh, perspective as the rest of the box art. So that was like red flags for me. It's close, but not quite perfect. It, it very well could be the actual art. Jeff, you're shaking your head. What do you think? Nah, I think it's obviously Illustrator. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know. I'm seeing a nice dash of Adobe. Very well could be the actual art. We know it's coming. Yeah, technically the, the, the actual Maybe boxes are kind of like that too. it's an actual prototype image from exactly. Funimation mm-hmm. themselves. We had those prototypes of the Vegeta art that came out much earlier with a really kind of puke color and eventually turned into the orange bricks. So this could be a very similar thing. Also in that thread, they had this uh, other art. This is uh, movies three and four. What's going on with this, Mary? They're doing It's Goku's chest. Hey. Um, it is um, the box art for DBZ movies three and four on Blu-ray coming out September 7th. It's um, the Tree of Might and Lord Slug going by the English names. Uh, I, I think I can actually do this. Chikyu Marugoto Chokasen and Supasaijin Da Son Goku? I don't know. Pretty close. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. To me, nice. it's movie three and four. <laughs> Movies three and four. Also okay. standard DVD as well, Mary, not okay. just Blu-ray. Oh. Good times. One last bit of news. I actually haven't had a chance to read this yet. Julian, did you get to see it at all? I'm looking right now. Where did it go? <laughs> Well, just tell me about it, and then we'll all read it later. I read half of it. Oh, did you, Mary? All right, Mary, you tell me about it. It's an interview with Toru Furia, who is the English... The English... <laughs> the Japanese... <laughs> I wish! <laughs> that would be pretty hot. The Japanese voice actor for Yamcha, as well as Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon, Amuro Rei from Gundam. Look at um, you! Uh, Kyosuke uh, from Kimigori Orange Road. The rapist teacher from Marmalade Boy. <laughs> no, he's not a rapist. <laughs> All right. Oh, slightly pedophilic teacher. Yes, pedophilic teacher from Marmalade Boy. Um, what else we got? Swing that TV lot. tower around. Oh, God. 
<laughs> no, those are all the ones I know off the top of my head. All right. Well, what was in it? Anyway, Other it's primarily an awesome guy. it was pretty much uh, an interview pitching the CD that he had worked on, but they also addressed some of his voice acting work. Oh, cool. And he was talking about how he's gone to Anime Expo and he's shocked at how people around the world, you know, quote his lines in Japanese and you know, in typical Japanese fashion. He's like, like, I'm so Merry happy. Christmas, Ando. Happy, happy New Year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Sailor Moon R movie, fun times. Um, anyway, he seemed really gracious and nice. He's, he and then once he starts talking about the music nice pitch, I stopped reading it. Oh, okay. I'll have to go check it out. That's awesome. I think that's all the news this week. That's actually a shit ton of stuff. It's been a pretty busy week. Um, that was like a topic right there. Yeah. You, but now that we're done with the con, we can't do our cop-out episodes that are just news. No, exactly. <laughs> we got a full topic, which is great because we already recorded it. So let's uh, give you a lead-in right here. We talked with Scott and Lanny, who are in charge of this new DBZ Abridged series that came out. It's a fan parody. Fan parody stuff. Awesome. Uh, don't awesome, call it a awesome. series. People might think it's like AF or something. No, no, nothing like that. Not a new series. Fan parodies. You're going to learn everything you need to learn if you haven't already seen it. So let's head on over to that interview right now. For the topic portion of this week's show, we are going to, I guess, plug something that we're completely not involved with, but saw and loved. <laughs> no shameless plugging as all. No, no plugging at all. It's just something we genuinely enjoyed and we're like, holy shit, we want to talk to these people. So we are joined by Scott and Lanny from DBZ Abridged. Hello there. What's up, guys? Uh, not much, not much. Cool. Is DBZ Abridged, is that what I should be calling it? DBZ Abridged, Dragon Ball Z Abridged, just keep the abridged in there and people will get the idea. Fantastic. So you guys, tell me how you're involved with this project. Scott, I'll start with you. Uh, Ultimately, you can say I sort of spearheaded everything. I'm actually the one who primarily approached all of the, uh, every one of the voice uh, voice actors in this. And I'm also the one who decided, hey, you know, I really want to do this series, and so I need to get a lot of people involved. But that's not to say that one of my friends, Takahata101, the voice actor for Nappa, is actually the one who pushed me very, very strongly into doing this. If it weren't for him, I probably would not have approached everyone. And I'm also the editor for it, so... I'm sort of the director-editor guy, which is not to say anything less about everyone else who's involved who have all done a magnificent job up until now. You're an appropriate ringleader, from what I hear, dishing out the props <laughs> to everyone. It's the way it should be. <laughs> nice. Lanny, how about you? Uh, Really, I just kind of got involved after my little experiences doing my own little fan parodies and uh, joining up with a couple other people who are on the crew, Vegeta3986 and Moscow X. We together have done a uh, a couple of Dragon Ball Z like movies like of the abridged fashion. We just kind of like parodied some of them and well, we just kind of got involved through that and I've just been kind of helping out writing the thing. It's basically uh, late at night it would be me, Kaiser, and Taka just talking on Skype, scripting out stuff and pretty much where I came in Plus, apparently I, would, I can apparently I can do quite a few impressions. So <laughs> I definitely have to say, Lanny is our biggest script writer. I believe uh, he's spent the most time helping come up with a lot of the scenes, especially the difficult ones uh, in episode two. Lots of fighting going on with Reddit. It's yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to take it all the way back to, I guess you could say, the beginning. And I want to get some kind of idea, perspective on what this whole abridged thing is. And before we even get to you guys, I kind of want to describe how I came to this. Because I'm always really late to the game with internet phenomenon, I suppose you could say. I kept hearing about this abridged stuff going on, primarily with Yu-Gi-Oh!, but also some Dragon Ball stuff recently. I was just like, oh, that's that's YouTube stuff, whatever. I don't Nothing on YouTube is ever of any interest or funny. I'm a really hard guy to, I guess, please, and that sounds terrible, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I just don't find stuff funny for whatever reason. I'm not really mad at things when they're not funny. I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever, and I move on. Mm. Now, at Anime Next, which was Mary just that last, was last week, weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. I was kind of wandering around. Mary wasn't feeling too good. She was laying in bed. She's like, oh, just go walk around. Don't worry about me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to wander around to some video rooms, see what's going on. So I popped in and was like, oh, they're playing fan parodies over there. You know, Mary and I have been involved with some fan parodies in the past. We worked on This Is Otakudon. We worked on Steam. Like, oh, I want to see what they're playing. So I walked in and there's this Yu-Gi-Oh thing playing. And I I didn't draw any connections at all whatsoever. So I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm going, this is actually funny. I'm mm-hmm. laughing out loud. I'm enjoying. I know nothing about Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm enjoying myself. And it ended and they just kind of moved on. I think they'll play Kokoa Otaku next, which is uh, an old Bobby Beaver parody. And then later on, I was talking to um, the head of video ops over there. I'm like, hey, what 
was that? And he said, oh, that was Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged. And that's when stuff started clicking for me. Like, okay, this is that Abridged thing. So now that I've explained to you guys how I came to this, tell me what your involvement is with this. Did you work on this Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged? Was that the first thing? Is this just like a thing that people are doing now? I have no idea. So it's up to you guys. You have to tell me and our audience what this is. All right. The thing with Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged is um, essentially is a intensely popular fan parody that was started by a uh, man from the United Kingdom. Kingdom. He goes by the moniker Little Karibo, obviously because like Karibo is a little monster in Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's like Yu-Gi's spirit beast or whatever. Okay. And uh, he just started up on that. I think it was about like even a year or so before I even got through my hand into the game. Yeah, uh, ever since then, that's when it opened up the floodgates to a bunch of people who decided, like, hey, I have a computer, I want to do some fan parodies. So you got a, a couple of good ones spilling out there, and then you got some other series out there that, eh, they're trying. That's how it is fun. It's cool. with a <laughs> lot of stuff. To draw another comparison, Mary, from our AMV perspective, once AMV Hell came out... Yeah, that was mm. a whole... It almost became a genre onto itself. But it's yeah, not like this yeah. abridged thing is becoming a, a fan parody yeah. subgenre onto itself. Right, with a lot of imitators, kind of some good, not so good. Taking the title and right. doing oh, something. Yeah. And some are great, and you're like, wow, that that's really cool. And then you're seeing other stuff, and I'm like, it's... Almost the kind of thing where I came to this whole abridged thing where people come to AMVs and they're like, I've seen shitty AMVs on YouTube, therefore all, all AMVs, AMVs suck. suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's really, it is really a hard thing to kind of get yourself known in that genre. I mean, just like AMVs, you got some really, really damn good AMV makers out there. And then you got some really damn good fan parody makers out there. And it's just kind of hard to get discovered, like wading through the mud, as it were, I guess. With that in mind, mind now that we do have YouTube because when we started doing fan parodies there was no such thing as YouTube. Mm -hmm. We were played at conventions. This is so bizarre to me. Right. And it's in a good way because I remember um, seven, eight, nine years ago kind of getting involved with fan parody. It was a very, very, very niche kind of thing. The technology wasn't as developed back then. It was really just Mm -hmm. a convention circuit kind of thing. And now it just seems like it's blown up so much in a way that, you know, I kind of feel so far removed from it the last maybe oh, yeah, totally. maybe two, three years. I had no idea there was this current move, movement going on because I remember back then it was a struggle to get people into making fan parodies. It's like, come on, you want more? Someone make some. And now it seems like there's tons. So and now you can. I got you catching have, up to do. You have YouTube. So how does that affect how you make them? Because in general, there's the 10 minute limit. So does that play a factor? And with exposure, how do you get people to check it out? Is it still word of mouth? Explain this whole process to me. I'm totally in intrigued. I found that with the t- about the 10 minute limit that actually kind of helps in a certain way because these shows mm-hmm. that the abridged versions are supposed to be short, sweet right. versions of e- either individual episodes or maybe one or two episodes combined of a series going on in uh, you know a long format trying to complete the series though with how many people are picking shonen series Lanny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, they have to have a very long, arduous task in front of them. But, you know, with YouTube, it's really giving you a way to sort of get new episodes up every once in a while, almost in this podcasting format. Oh, totally, because you can subscribe and you know immediately when there's something new. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of people. I mean, I, I remember before I started this, I'd be sitting, I, I'd sign on to YouTube going, oh, wow, I hope the new Berserker Bridge is up. Oh, oh gosh, the new Yu Yu Hockey Oh, I just saw Jeff's eyes light up when you said Berserker Bridge. <laughs> Really? <laughs> oh, it is a fantastic yeah. Berserk Bridge. Every episode is done. I will plug this with all of my heart. HBI 2K. Just go and search. It'll be in any of our favorite sections. All right, we'll, see we'll watch it when we're done. That's how we're spending yeah. it on. Like, all right, I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is brilliantly well done. The script, HBI 2K just writes the best dialogue between characters. Awesome. All right, but but you guys, you're the important ones. You're here. You're, you're here for <laughs> oh, us yes, to talk about. Well, I love uh, Lenny, for your series, you've you know gone ahead and you've taken an individual episodic format. You've tried to abridge uh, like one of each episode, right? It's just because in Yu Yu Hakusho, you got so much going on in every episode. I don't really have much of a choice. Uh, whereas uh, Dragon Ball Z, we're actually trying to combine two episodes, uh, uh, about two and a half episodes into one episode, and th- these are only like eight to nine minutes long at most. Right. I noticed that about this first episode is there's only one episode that you guys have put out so far, right? Yeah. yeah. So far, we, we've got the second one scripted. We just got to kind of sit down and record it. Okay, cool. Mary and I watched 
watched it earlier this week and then we just rewatched it with Jeff just now. So we're, it's pretty fresh in our minds. And I noticed like, okay, this is more than a single episode and it wouldn't make sense to have 291 of these abridged episodes. Yeah. That kind of defeats the whole abridged thing. So but I'm I think like, it right. really works with Dragon Ball Z though. Oh, totally. It reminds me of the early, you know, edited dub days when they would combine oh my god we'll get to that i have so many comments on okay. that <laughs> but it oh, works yeah. though the thing with yeah, dragon that's... ball z is you got so much going on and yet you kind of got the main point going over it so like you can take note of all the little things that are going on but for the people that want to see the show they want to see what's going on like the the stuff that they know that's going to happen they want to see what we're going to do with that right not to say yeah not to say anything bad about one of mm-hmm. my favorite series but there is so much padding oh absolutely yeah. it's like let's just get to the point you know it's a good good efficient way to you know kind of go through the series oh yeah yeah well guys tell me about the writing process how this all gets going from beginning to end so we have our perspective from and i hate to say old school fandoms because that's not true at all <laughs> i mean post 2000 isn't old school but we know how <laughs> that process worked but this is uh, a very similar but very different thing at the same time. So do you write dialogue first? Do you have a general idea of I want to get from this point to this point? How does it all come together? Uh, essentially what we what we decide to do at first is we uh, decide, okay, where do we want to start this and where do we want to end this? And then we try to script throughout that. And basically recently, I believe, Kaiser, we've been trying to get like a framework of what episode is going to cover what so we can decide like exactly how soon we're going to get to uh, some of the like jokes that we already have planned for the future. Yeah, God right? knows we plan jokes way, way, way too far by mm-hmm. now. <laughs> we got stuff for the end of the series. <laughs> I can totally imagine that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the biggest things about writing the script for us is we want every episode to cover the basic necessities. Mm-hmm. And then we but if we see a joke, if we see a joke in a certain scene which we know would get a lot of laughs, we don't want to cut that scene. Even if it, even if it's sort of a throwaway scene or a scene that otherwise we wouldn't cover if we were really trying to move the plot along. Like Roshi mm-hmm. with the beer. <laughs> Roshi exactly. with the beer. That was so unnecessary, but we just remembered that, that whole yeah, the horrible edit for that. Blue beer. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to say, I, I guess I'll interrupt you, uh, you know, how you're describing the process. There are certain jokes that almost seem directly aimed at Mary and myself. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, that might actually have to do with the fact that I am a hardcore listener of your show. All right, well, that works perfectly. <laughs> I'm listening and I'm like, that is so something that I would, I probably have said before. Like what? Can you give an example? Just the, the beer stuff in general. I'm like, uh, I think the frothy mug of water was uh, one of the biggest jokes back on, you know, the news group days, that kind of thing. But, so it's right. not so much of a Mike and Mary thing as much as it is in uh, like 1995, 1996, you know, the funny things going on back then and just kind of remembering them. But they're not ignoring everyone else. Like, there's, of course not. There's totally stuff for us fans of the Japanese version. There's totally stuff for people who remember the original 96, 97, 98 dub Funimation Ocean cast. And then, especially with uh, the specific voices that are being impersonated, there's stuff for, you know, the Funimation fans. But I want to get back to the voices and jokes. I'm sorry for interrupting. Please continue with the thought process, the design process. Okay. Well, you want to continue, Lenny, or should I? Uh, essentially, what we kind of go through is uh, we, we go through it scene by scene. We look at the uh, episodes overall and... Uh, uh, actually, I got to kind of admit to the fact that I don't actually watch what they're watching when they're doing it. I just kind of like listen to saying, oh, and then he does this. I'm like, oh, well, uh, let's see what 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 I say to that. I, I don't actually watch the video as they're watching it sometimes. <laughs> okay. I, I, some, I'll, I'll go back and like look at like uh, footage because I don't actually have like all the uh, DVDs of Dragon Ball Z as much as I'd want them. They're just I actually go on YouTube and I'll try and find that episode and I'll go, hey, mm-hmm. this is the scene I'm using. You know, check that out. And he's like, oh, okay, I, I see what you mean by that. Well, then what if he got hit by the tail? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basic, basically, it, it, it's funny because we all sit around at night. Usually this goes on pretty late at night because mm-hmm. that's we're really the most free and kind of lucid. So yeah. that's when we're up with a lot. I, I, re- I really start running my mouth at about 4 a.m. So. I am so with you. That's when the most hilarious <laughs> stuff comes out. That's when the most ingenious ideas come out. thing is, you have to write them down or tell them to someone else or they'll totally be gone. Yeah, Kaz, I, I, have... believe you, I, I Yeah, I believe you have a text file that's about 10 pages long right now. <laughs> that's awesome. I have... Yeah, I have a collection of jokes with the most odd ways of actually... Kaiser yeah. just has like a really weird way of writing down exactly what these jokes are, but we remember them. Yeah, they ring true in my head when I read them. I remember, oh yeah, the one with Goten. 
Le- uh, yeah, Lenny's Lenny's got Godin covered. We've actually been able to cast most of these characters by now. Really, all like all the way through the end of the series, you're all set. Yeah, good, pretty good, much. Like most of the main characters, yes. That's awesome. Is it mostly the same people? Like, do you have a Funimation thing going on where a couple people play lots and lots of characters, or do you have specific oh, other? Oh yeah, types? Lenny's. He's our he's our Chris Sabat. Ah, okay, I saw that. I was like, hmm, Vegeta and Piccolo. That's interesting. Vegeta, Piccolo, every other character, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk about the voices because that's really intriguing to me. We were talking earlier, you know, these jokes are almost set to go three different directions, but all the voices are impersonations of more or less the current Funimation cast, with a couple exceptions. For example, Goku, which we noticed right away. We're like, wow, this is so much more reminiscent of Ian Corlett than either Peter Kalamis or Sean Schemmel. So what are some of the directions and choices you make with those voices? Well, the thing with Goku is we just love Masako's Goku voice. Nice. Yeah, to be, basically what happened was they were doing the movies and they decided on Masako as their Goku. Not sure what their planning was, but it turned out fantastic because I feel that he is kind of this amalgamation of sorts of kind of Masako Nozawa, uh, Masako Nozawa, Ian Corlett, and a little bit of Sean Schemmel's goofiness. There. I would I do see a little bit that. of the Sean Schemmel, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The good parts of Sean Schemmel. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the kind of goofier, happier Goku. Yes. Like absolutely. the Ian Corlett calm and the Sean Schemmel craziness. As, as Schemmel would say, the happy go lucky Goku. Yes. <laughs> I always yeah. remember that's how he described him. He also called him bipolar, but whatever. <laughs> And there was something else we are go- trying to go for with this Goku. <laughs> Funny enough, when he did his, uh, what are those noises you're making line? <laughs> I don't know if he meant to do it like that or not, but it kind of made me squee on the inside because I'm a huge Nozawa fan. And that just seems to me like yes. something Nozawa would say. Absolutely. And so I-, I said, you know what? Go with that. Nice. That's, you know, so yeah, we we really are trying to hit the f- different facets of the fandom with the voices because uh, Vegeta is obviously Chris Sabat. Um, my perfect cell is obviously Damian Clark. Of mm. course, that won't appear. <laughs> That's a long. while off. Um, and you know, all, almost all the voices except for um, a select few who are going for more caricatures with yeah. of yeah. Our, our impersonations. Mainly, mainly minor characters. Right. Yeah. We, we, we'd be giving like actual kind of caricature voices too. So yeah, basically Funimation impersonations with the voices, but try not to focus too much on that because we do want them to come across as humorous and well acted. Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess for people like me, if it's too heavily Funimation, that's almost a turnoff for me. But I was able to look past mm-hmm. it and I, I was noticing all these other things. I'm like, all right, there's more to this. And it just kept layering and layering. I was really able to appreciate so much of it. And going off of that, I want to talk about specific jokes, things that came up that we just lost our shit on. We're already talking about the beer, which is <laughs> such an amazing reference to 1996. Mary, what are some other great lines that oh, you're man. just like, oh. Um, am I allowed to comment on the Dead Zone abridged? Go for it. Uh, I, wrote, I helped write that. Okay, so. okay <laughs> cool. But then I, we all totally lost it when they summoned Shenlong and he goes, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I would expect Shenlong to say that. It may be like 20 years down the road, 30, 40, 50. He's just like, really? Again, what? You, you want me to open a box? What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly! <laughs> oh. I have to melt ice. Really? <laughs> Nice. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> See, that's exactly the kind of stuff where we'll almost be mistying it while we're watching it. Someone will say stuff like that. And it's like you guys have taken every misty version that anyone has ever done in the world, took the best jokes, and just threw them all together. And it worked so well. <laughs> Jeff, as someone who's not as familiar, especially with the older version dubs of this, maybe not even Dragon Ball specific jokes, but what in general did you notice about what we were watching? And just like, oh, that was so clever. Hmm. You know, it, it's kind of weird uh, to kind of think about that especially when we've gotten to an episode which i haven't seen yet or, right, or read yet about rather. to read it next week ish yeah i have i'm gonna read it next week so i haven't gotten there yet but uh in terms of the jokes i saw actually speaking of the shenlong appearance uh-huh there was the whole um you know you guys ever call and you only you know summon me to wish and da, da, da. and <laughs> i was like you know what? this is so very monty python yeah like you see a lot of that in some of these jokes too mm-hmm. i mean uh, is that something that you guys uh, consider an influence 
I, I, I like to draw from as many of my comedic experiences as I can when writing, and I know that uh, uh, Vegeta3986, the guy who helps me write the movies, does as well. We just, and uh, I know Kaiser and Taka probably, Kaiser, what's your uh, method for that? Uh, well, when it comes to Monty Python, it's very well ingrained in a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of people who would call themselves comedians, they have to have seen some amount of yeah, Monty Python. Yeah, at this point, it shows up in everybody's DNA, I'm sure, but like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. For me, my my sort of comedic flavor is more, uh, you know, character-based uh, scene interactions, kind of just shooting mm-hmm. the shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where Lanny's very sporadic. These, uh, you know, these great just bust out laughing moments. The way I love to write is I like to uh, take the characters as I know them in the show and just try to go off of that, try to play off their characters as much as I can to make decent parody. Yeah, but... I saw a lot of just genius character exploitation. I'd actually say almost observational humor in some right. respects as well, like picking things out of the background or maybe even add like the what? falling crab or whatever. <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> <that's awesome. laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we saw that. We just said that has to be in there. Yes. <laughs> For some reason, I just I remember seeing that Raditz is approaching. The tension is so th- that's a crap falling. <laughs> <laughs> I I love. I hate to use the word again, but exploitation. Exactly what you need to do with this kind of stuff, and that's what I really like about doing new things with Dragon Ball. You know, twenty twenty five years later after it began, is there's only so much you can talk about. With, and I, I hate to say that, but you know, because we're still doing that, there is a lot to talk about. But on the other hand, it's you love the show so much. It's not that you're making fun of it. It's that you're making fun with it almost because you do love it so much and you don't take it to heart. Like you can poke fun at it and still love it so much. Exactly. And I just get that so much from watching this. Exactly. You just kind of want to bring like a a new flavor to the table from a series that has already ended. You just kind of want to make it fresh again a little. Just put a little more life into it. Right. I have to ask, was there an Apul joke early in that episode? Yes, yes there, there was. was. I thought so. <laughs> I didn't hear it the first time, and Mary was just like, oh my god, they just made an Apul joke. I was like, really? So this really? is why Dad said so this is why Dad said I couldn't keep a pool. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, oh, Apul, alright, these guys are right up my alley. <laughs> you know, actually, when we wrote that joke, I was thinking of you. Oh. <laughs> mostly, because, mostly because I, I thought he's the only person who's going to get a pool <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how I didn't even hear it the first time and then Mary pointed out to me. I was like, uh, uh, I think they just said a pool. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm picturing him with like a collar around his neck, like just being held captive by like Bardock or something. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I something I liked um, about episode one was when a character, uh, character, nah, I can't say a character, caricature. Piccolo became with the whole taking his loneliness to the extreme that like he's he's now finding a found a friend in like these internet websites like Like, i didn't get where the myspace thing was going it's like oh you know it's cute and it's funny but it has a payoff later when him and goku fly off i'm like all right there was the setup that that worked really well tom you've been replaced (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was definitely lanny's idea when when we were going over that i was like oh myspace joke you you sure you sure then you know it, it was all done i was like you know what yeah that totally works. <laughs> Absolutely. That totally works. It did, but it comes to that fine line a lot when you do sort of a parody style mm-hmm. or, or some sort of fan fiction where it'll come to a point where you'll throw something current in there. And right. someone who's mm-hmm. not careful with it will not use right. it as a plot point or will not use it to enhance the story. But yeah. what I loved about what you guys did, because I felt the same way. When I first saw it, I was really sort of iffy, like, oh, God, this could be sort of like... Because that'll you know. date it. Yeah. And well, that we, was the problem that we had with Otakodom when we made a DDR fourth mix joke back right. in, like, 2001. And by the time it came out, like, sixth mix came out. So, so we're like, oh, crap. We right. dated ourselves right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's and it's it's something that we've seen so much with that, like, after AMV Hell, that being its own genre. You see those those things coming up that are current, and you go, all right, this is totally not going anywhere so you do get scared at those moments but then when it ties into the plot that's right that's really important that's where it becomes important so that was that was like a huge shocker to me i thought that was a really nicely laid joke well well, thank you i mean like when you do something like that i knew i didn't want to make it a running joke i knew we had to kind of like tie it into like a nice little end in that episode right there because making something like that a running joke just kind of it kind of drags on it if it becomes too ingrained in the character it's just not funny anymore that's what I've always found. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually, like, that was one of the things I was kind of worried about. It's like my space joke. But then, then I, when I realized one episode payoff, I was all for it. And I was like, yeah, Lenny, you're my 
top man there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I, you know, I don't know where this project would go without Lanny. <laughs> and oh. I also, I, you know, I also have to say Takahata 101. Mm -hmm. You won't see a lot of his characters until a little bit later down the line, but he knows how to write for his characters, and he has done a brilliant job. Yeah. When it gets, when it gets great at improv. Great at improv. Oh, fantastic at improv. It's, it's why I keep, have to keep that text file open a lot when we're doing those late night just uh, throwing mm -hmm. jokes around. I am so looking forward to more episodes. So I have a couple, <laughs> I guess you would say, last questions because I want you guys to get back to working on it. So, like, go away and go make more episodes. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think this is really what we do all day? <laughs> I, I don't know. Wait, <laughs> Kaiser, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I have to be the dolt who asked this, but when is episode two coming out? I expect it, I have to say, within like a week or so, depending on who gets their lines and when. It's yeah. definitely going to be this month, I'll say that. Oh, yeah. Early early part early part of July is when I'm definitely shooting for. Cool, well, that makes right sense. Up. Is there going to be any kind of regular schedule or, like, rough schedule that people can pay attention to? We're, we're rough schedule is once a month. That works once, for me. Maybe, maybe twice a month, yeah. Yeah, maybe twice. We really buckle down. <laughs> nice. Mary, I'm going to shoot over to you as, oh, okay. you know, the other long-term Dragon Ball fan. Do you have any other questions for him or about anything? I or? think we hit up all the main things. My mind is boggling because I'm just so excited about this entire entity because I feel like, you know, the, the mindset I come from as far as pan, uh, fan parodies are concerned is that, you know, the last one we worked on took four years. It was way <laughs> too long. And, you know, it was a nearly two-hour movie. This, We're in a different generation now. We're in the I, I love the instant gratification, essentially. <laughs> it's like, yes, more, more soon. Huzzah. So, I, I don't know. I'm just very excited that I don't have any questions. I'm just like, yay. Cool. Jeff, I'll shoot over to you. you I got anything for yeah. I, I I will say I have a two parter. Okay. The first part is, uh, do you not? Do you guys know how many page views you get? Like how many views on the first video you've gotten for uh, the first episode? I have it pulled up right now, and it currently has two hundred twenty thousand views. What? Jesus, that shocked the crap out of us. Like when we looked at it, less than a month, two hundred thousand views. I'm looking at like I have episodes that have been up for a year that only have like a hundred thousand. <laughs> well, I can say we showed it at my parents' house the other day. My sister wanted the link. <laughs> Too, and I think I might have opened it at work. So you know, I, I think I helped you with. I heard your mom right laughing there. at oh, it. Oh God, she loved it. And <laughs> you know, she she has a vague familiarity with uh, Dragon Ball Z, and she was able to appreciate. She walked upstairs quoting it, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so my God. Th there you go with with that fandom. I forgot. Oh. Kaiser, I did have one more thing for you, and that's that I know you have um, some past history with AMVs. Jeff and I just watched your The One trailer. Oh, my God, that is so old. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was from 2003 we saw it, and I, I actually remember checking it out back then. I was like, oh, yeah, that was actually pretty good, so we watched it again. I think it still holds up. I really enjoyed it. Jeff, what would you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was definitely worth it, uh, worth watching. It was really, really funny. So I'm going to oh further embarrass you guys, and I'm going to link to that along with this as well. But I, I, I think it was good. <laughs> So hopefully it's not really embarrassment. I, Jeff I had another question. Jeff, shoot. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask, since you guys now have over 200,000, you have to sort of think about um, what are you going to do with uh, a huge audience? Do you see do you actually see a very large audience uh, keeping track of these episodes? And uh, what do you think you would do to, to kind of keep track of that? Oh, gee, I'm, on my uh, personal profile today, I just hit my 10,000th subscriber, and uh, it's really double. Like, uh, the way we just got to keep writing is we got to make sure we have jokes out there that are for everybody. We need to have the widespread jokes that are going to be hit or miss for some of the hardcore fans, but then we need to have the jokes for the hardcore fans as well, which is honestly what we're really going for. Yeah, we have to have our uh, pool jokes, but then we have to have our Krillin's own <laughs> counter jokes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I really I think hope that, that joke going. is so appropriate. Now, I hate to, like, stereotype fans, but for, like, today's dubbish fans and the, the younger or fans, Krillin. they're so big on, ah, oh, Krillin, you got peed on, man, 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 man. I'm like, yeah, that's funny to me, <laughs> but a pool makes me lose my shit, so... <laughs> All right, I want yeah. you guys to get back to work. So uh, do you guys have any final words for anyone who's listening to the podcast right now other than go check it out? Oh, uh, well, fan parry is like a real fun thing. If you really want to get into it, throw your head in there. Like like they said, it's easier than ever nowadays. All you really need is a computer, uh, video editing program, and access to the internet. And you just want to have some fun, waste a few hours a day. Yeah. Go and, for it. 
Yeah, it, it really is all about fun, which is something that's kind of gotten a little lost here and there with all these mm -hmm. people trying. A lot of people make it into a contest, but they're, they're trying I, I to just, get some like some sort of internet fame out of it. That's not right, and that's what's different. Really I like actually feel something genuine coming from this episode that we watched. We were trying to make the best and funniest and most entertaining thing we could without compromising it. You know, we wanted it to be funny for people, so that was our that was our main goal. That was. It wasn't really there wasn't really anything else in mind I mean accessibility and uh, you know bringing uh, I mean uh, there's accessibility and bringing up people's uh, old memories and nostalgia but humor is our, to our top concern usually most definitely awesome well uh, Scott and Lanny thank you so much for joining us on the show and I can't wait to get this out to more people because I think it should be viewed and I think people should be That's laughing right. their asses yeah, off and fan parodies thank are not much. easy to make so huge props to you guys because you make it seem so effortless it's so good it does require a little bit of eating, sleeping, and breathing it. I I hope so. Keep doing it for many, many more years. and Do it just to keep me entertained. I, I, that's really all I want. I'm selfish. I just want to laugh every month. Well, thank I you plan to much. make a career out of this, so don't worry. I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. We all hope to. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much for hopping on the show with us. I really appreciate it, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Us. Thank you so much for the interview. We really yeah. appreciate it. No problem. All right, guys. You have a great night, and get back to work, please. <laughs> you too. All right. We will. All right. So here we are with the emails. You know, we had a lot of news. We had a pretty awesome um, in-depth interview. We haven't had a chance to check through all the releases yet, and, no, we're not prepared to do other sections. So let's just talk about emails because we want to talk about our listeners, and they're awesome people. Um, Jeff, I'm going to make font really big, and I'm going to put you to use. And you're well, gonna... well, I would better make more here, sense. Better here. Oh, you're going to do it over there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we have two, three computers in front of us right now. <laughs> Pick a computer, any hey, computer. computer. As oh, I you... stall for time while Mary makes Firefox big. You know what? I think I'm just going to use my iPhone. Thank you. Oh, you're a jackass. <laughs> Read the first email here from Steve. All right. Steve says, hey, guys and gal. You know, I was looking for an anime podcast in the iTunes store, but I decided to type in Dragon Ball Z and I found your podcast, which now I can't get enough of. Thanks to you guys. Now I have reawakened the flame for Dragon Ball Z. So now here in Australia, I'm trying to get DBZ DVDs. Anyway, just thought I'd say thanks and finally got around to emailing you guys slash girl. Good job with the podcast and Dizex.com. It's a great site. I don't know if you have any Australian listeners. Well, now you do. Steve from Australia. We nice. actually have a lot of listeners in Australia. That's super cool. Uh, DBZ is big down there. Mary, real quick, what was that magazine thing? Oh, kids on uh, K Zone, which we still get. Um, I shouldn't say we. I guess I transferred ownership. I guess you should say to How my did mother. How did it started? Just all right. Like, way back in the day, version. um, this Australian children's magazine called K Zone was um, I, I guess the equivalent here would be like Disney Adventures. Exactly I don't, I don't know if I they still put it, that yeah. out. I used to get it in supermarkets and stuff. Maybe they still make it. I don't know. Anyway, this uh, uh, Australian equivalent every month would kind of feature the most popular, you know, cartoons, TV shows, movies, whatever was popular. And back in the early 2000s, uh, like in America, Dragon Ball Z was pretty popular in Australia as well. They got the Funimation dub down there. So, uh, I mean, it was like the same exact production. Okay. So, uh, I guess one day they were, one day, I guess for one issue, they were doing a article on Trunks. And I got an email from someone from this magazine, which I never heard of before, saying, hey, we're writing this article about Trunks. Uh, Trunks. We're referencing some information on your site. You know, is this okay with you? It's like, sure. I mean, just because my site has this information, you know, it's common knowledge from the show, but, you know, go ahead. So I said, oh, okay, thanks, and we're going to send you the magazine in which it appears. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I thought this was going to be a one-shot deal. It's now seven or six years later, and I'm still getting the magazine, although not me, because... um, It gets sent to I, your parents. It gets sent to my parents. parents right, because at the time, I was living with my parents, and I guess when they moved, the, the magazine, uh, I guess, address changed to their house Basically, as well. you have... An automatic free subscription to some Australian kids' magazine. Right, and I, and I haven't really realized, I guess, that, you know, I don't live in Australia, and... How much um, are they paying to send this to me? I know, US? it's like, freaky. That's hilarious. But my mom actually uses it as collateral in her classrooms. They get so excited, the children, they don't know what this magazine is, but it has, you know, the same cartoons and stuff. And it's in English, so that it, but it's, yeah, like, it's just, different. Yeah, some of the letters are different with the, you know, the U's and stuff, but, you know, it's still highlighting whatever shows are popular and stuff, so my mom's always like, okay, if you're good, you get this magazine, and they're all like, oh my god, 
go crazy over it because you know it's they don't know that it's foreign but they know it's something that is not here right you know they can't go to a store and get it so to them it's like wow it's a mystery magazine cool that's awesome thank you mary i appreciate it. that's kind of why i threw that in there is i want to get that story oh okay nice. yeah that's that's funny um we haven't talked about it on the show i, I forgot that it's yeah. something that's still kind of ongoing cool jeff um, you're gonna keep reading our emails for us okay good then uh, i'll take it to the next one and this is from what is this dowling usa maybe i think maybe usa i don't know dowling usa all right well we'll try both how about that okay well this person says hey vegito ex mary julian and jeff yes i am here today thank you i have a question for you guys and gal i was watching movie 12 the other day and uh was wondering about the different helpers in the other world quote unquote who keep repeating oni please help and thank you for reading this on the podcast if you do Dowling Usa on the form or USA. I think this is a question for Julian, is it not? Take it away, man. Yes, so Oni are traditional demon-type monster things in Japanese folklore. They come in a number of colors, chiefly red, gray, and blue. And they're always depicted as being sort of trollish and sometimes mischievous and sometimes rather easily duped by the humans who want them out of their hair. Now, in the Toriyama universe, they are inhabiting the afterlife as sort of bureaucratic paper pushers. I think Yu Yu Hakusho also follows in this model. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting, too, in that Oni are usually depicted as big, sort of muscular things with tiger skins and carrying gigantic clubs, and all, all the Oni in Toriyama's afterlife for these little puny people wearing you know, shirts and ties. Hey, hey, we've got goes and men's that, uh... Well, that, that's true. And actually, those are a sub-trope because, um, Buddhist versions... I think it's Buddhist, but there's a, a horse-headed demon and, um, what is it, a ox-headed demon that guard the afterlife, and those would be the gozu and medzu. No? <laughs> I don't know, you told me. Uh... You didn't sound very convincing there. Oh, fine. <laughs> Let me look it up. No, then. no, it's okay. So, but they're saying Oni at the end of what they're actually saying yes. every sentence. What's up with that? But Oni is what they are, and it's a speech quirk, I guess, like really. Like or Desu, or... Oh. Yeah, that sort of thing. Or Noda. It's, it's like... Noda, yeah. We always bring it back to the Chichiri stuff. Or New. Yes. What, what's or, someone from yes. Chichiri? Oh, uh, the thing I always Neil. say. Neil. <laughs> Yo. I think we already did this Desu. one episode where I kept saying Yo until Julian got irritated with me. <laughs> That you did. Julian, have you seen uh, the original Jerry? Did the, the Did you care it yet? I have not. Go watch it, you know. Wow. <laughs> Mike, you're so dumb. Oh, right. that was clever. Uh, all right, we're going to do one more email. Jeff, read this. And Julian, unless you have anything else? Nope. All right, Jeff, read this one from Matt. Matt says, are there any episodes of Dragon Ball Z GT you enjoyed despite a lack of action? For example, I really like DBZ episode two, despite the fact that the whole episode is basically Raditz talking. It's just really plot heavy and reveals so much backstory. Mary, I'm going to go over to you first. Do you have anything off the top of your head? Um, I know we've discussed this before, but I like some of the silly filler episodes that don't necessarily have action. Right. Like what? Um, the driving, driving episode. Episodes, yeah. But also, like, um, episode two, I like episodes where there's a lot of exposition, but it's good exposition, like Raditz and yeah, revealing so much stuff. I'm not really sure in what other <laughs> cases it that happens to our again. interview that may or may not have destroyed our home planet. Right. I absolutely love that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, awesome. please continue. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. All right, Julian, how about you? Trunks' flashback is a big one, I think. Oh, totally. I mean, Mary, it's... come on, Trunks' okay, flashback. Okay, okay. That's a good one, yes. he's he, he, Really, the whole thing takes place with him standing and looking in the window of the flying thingy that he's riding on. So it's not really happening. It's just exposition through visual medium, I guess. Well, I, I like that we like the exposition in the show that's known for drawn-out, terrible exposition. Except <laughs> the exposition that we like is the minute examples of decent exposition, if that makes any sense. I'm trying to think for myself... I really like just little character interactions, things between characters that isn't necessarily, you know, part of the big story going on, but just little things here and there. Nothing that's drawn out too long, little short scenes that I, I just absolutely love. You know, Mary, you mentioned the driving episodes. Anything where Goku's just off being him himself, but dumb in the world especially early on in the series, that's always great to me. You know, I remember way back when we did Volume 3 of the manga, we totally loved just Goku and Kudodin outdoing their training. You know, carrying the milk. It's that kind of stuff. It's just 
endearing and i love that stuff um jeff i don't remember how much you've seen of the series and maybe even from the manga non-action stuff what kind of stuff have you enjoyed so far um non-action well i think there was a lot of that considering the first few volumes were mostly exposition setting up characters and all that so um the training would absolutely be the first thing that comes to my head really i I can't think of anything else other than that i mean everything else just had such purpose to it that i didn't feel i don't i don't feel we got up to that point where it became you know useless exposition yet so i don't know from my perspective i think basically everything's been good so far all right awesome appreciate that that's gonna wrap it up for emails this week mary i'll send it on over to you you get a second chance this time where do you send emails to the show you You send emails to podcast at dizx.com that's p-o-d-c-a-s-t at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. Yes, I can't Woo-hoo! reach you. Jeff, give me five for Mary. Mm. All, All right. right, that felt That's so right. good. <laughs> good job. We welcome any comments, suggestions, um, questions, anything you guys have. Absolutely feel free to send it. We'd love to hear from you. Especially, just like we had the first email, Steve, if you're a new listener... I want to hear from you. I want to know that you're out there. I see numbers, but I don't get names and, you know, uh, opinions and thoughts. He wants your name and number. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Need to meet my um, internet boyfriends. What are you going with this? We have a couple females that was. Jeff's giving me really weird. You said anything about guys. It's just you, man. (laughs) Email us. We want to hear from you, especially the new listeners. (laughs) Screw all the old listeners. I just want the new people. Uh, That's going to wrap up the show. Let's talk about next week. I can't talk it's got to be the end of the episode next week's episode jeff are you going to be here next week i will be awesome we are going to finally start back up again because anime next is over manga review of awesomeness we're up to volume 17 of the manga if you're looking over at your shelf from the biz releases and you're like hey i don't see a 17 that's because the entire manga is dragon ball beginning to end in japan 42 volumes dragon ball volume 17 is actually the last two chapters of viz's dragon ball 16 and then the entirety of dragon ball z volume one so we're going to go through that julian will you be able to join us next week i actually don't know what day we'll record jeff you're a little busy next weekend? Um, well, yeah, actually, I'm going to be doing a pre-screening, so that's going to be the entire weekend. You're going it's Friday to see something through Sunday. Cool. Hmm? Pre-screening. Pre-screening. Yeah. Protocon. Nice. Um, maybe we can do it Thursday night then? Uh, I would think so. That'd be a good idea. I just hit the, so the mic. My Friday morning when I'll be at work. Are you going to be at work? All right. Well, maybe we'll do the topic without you, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. This is a trend that I, I don't like, but <laughs> oh, whatever. You know, Japan mm. time. Well, we can talk about this offline, but we'll definitely hear from both Jeff and Julian next week because manga, got to have Jeff. Show, got to have Julian. That's it. Let's uh, say goodbye. Jeff, thanks yes. for chilling. Jeff, hey. we need to make a pact right here, right now. Uh-oh. Next week, we're going to have something new to plug. Okay. Shake on it. Shake on it. Oh, man, that's difficult. Shook on it. I, I think we're going to downgrade a couple visual things. Yes. And just push it out. Yep. And then come back to it. Can't wait. All right, cool. I'm a witness. There's a USB drive sitting in front of me, so (laughs) it's here. We'll work on it. Cool. That was cryptic. Not really. Uh, Doing something cool. Mary. Yes. Let's get rid of you. Say goodbye to you. Thanks for chilling. Bye. Doing the interview. Doing the show. You need to go let the cats out. I do. And then we need to go watch some more Abridged. Oh my god, yes. We're going to go watch that. Uh, Julian, did you get the chance to see that first episode of Abridged? Yes, I did. Oh, nice. What did you think of it? So... Lonely. <laughs> All right, then. Oh, everyone's leaving me, so I guess I should you know, wrap up the episode. Okay. Julian, uh, you and I, Dizen Chibi-X, www.daizex.com. That's Dizex.com. Absolutely. All right, man. Um, that's it for episode 135 of the podcast. We'll see you next week for 136, Monger Review of Awesomeness. So uh, for Jeff, I think in the bathroom or somewhere, Mary letting the cats out and shutting windows, Julian over in Japan. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Julian, do it. It, man. Screw the ending. I have a microphone. Okay, never mind. Guys, that's you. EX the podcast. Thanks for listening this week. Tune in again. it napa we're on a podcast vegeta yes yes we are napa well what are we supposed to say vegeta oh i think i have an idea
大戦中役所ポッドカスト今週も来てくるさってありがとうございます。次回もお楽しみに。Wow, I didn't know you could speak French, Vegeta. Oh, God damn it, Nappa.